Awesome. So should we should we try to get going a little bit more seriously, Aaron? Very seriously. Yeah, it's gonna get I'm a very serious person. Yeah, it's gonna dial up. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no laughter. <laughs> I, I'm gonna try not to. <laughs> more yelling than laughing. <laughs> Just yell my answers. This is Aaron May. I'm John Henry Forster, and this is awkward. Silence. Silences. <laughs> So this is episode one, huh? Yeah, episode one with a guest uh, where we don't just, yeah, just sort of talk to each other. So um, thanks for being our um, guinea pig. Uh, No problem. I'm happy to. So Jacqueline, um, yeah, like who, who are you? What's going on with you? Okay, yes. Big, the big question. Yeah, Aaron starts um, deep. <laughs> <laughs> what is my essence? Um, so uh, my name is Jacqueline Perone. I am the design director of ThoughtBots Boston Studio. Um, I've been... So that means I'm also... I'm still a designer. So I'm working on, you know, client projects, more of an advisory role. But I'm, you know, I have some... I have designers who report to me. So I'm doing... The management part of that with you know, check-ins, team check-ins and individual check-ins. Um, also working on our engagement in the community. So trying to find things we can do, how to meet other designers in the in the um, in the community, but also to how to how to give back. So working on, you know, doing workshops, teaching students about design, things of that nature. And finally working on things like our processes, like hiring. Um, trying to really just kind of hone in on a good process that works for everyone. So that's, you know, I've been at ThoughtBot for three years. Um, I've been in this world for about 10. Um, I started out as an account manager who wanted to learn how to code. So I taught myself front-end development, um, did that for a few years, and then I wanted to be more abstract with it. So I moved into UX design and then product design, and here I am. So it's been quite the journey. I can't can't believe it. It's like it just started yesterday. <laughs> Fantastic! I always um I love uh, hearing people's kind of career trajectories and yeah. user research space in particular because I find that you know careers these days in general are not sort of linear and predetermined, but mm-hmm. I think. It's especially in the user research space, there are all these really interesting paths into um, how did you end up here? And it's uh, no, no two paths are the same. So always really cool to hear about that. Totally. Yeah. It's been helping to just kind of follow my interests, you know, and that's, that's advice I give to, to designers just starting out, you know, just it's everything's up for grabs, really. It's just a matter of what do you want to learn, you know? Um, and just kind of do what you do what you like and there will be things to do, <laughs> you know? So yeah, for sure. And, um, in terms of how you found your way here to this podcast, I was going to give you like the Chris Farley show style intro in terms of like, remember that time I saw you speak at unbox and it was really great. And I asked you to come talk to us. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, yeah. Like Paul McCartney. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a, and a big part of your talk was uh, was around, you know, what happens when things don't go as planned in user research. Mm-hmm. And what really resonated for me is, um, I feel like in like the hyper productivity, best practice world that we kind of like live in, people yeah. always give you the like perfect plan of like, here's how you do this. And here's how you make your style guide. And here's how you do research. And 
Um, they don't always go into the stuff that like things happen and it doesn't go perfectly smoothly every time. Like anytime right. you're, you know, doing stuff with other humans, un- <laughs> unexpected things happen. And so I thought that was a really cool angle and, um, seemed like a cool thing to share with folks in terms of, you know, it's, it's not uncommon and there are strategies to dealing with those things. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really don't, you like, you just don't know until you start doing it and you can prepare as much as you want, but sometimes things just do go wrong. You know, there's a, yeah. Like what's an example of one. And then we can kind of just dance around and go wherever. Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the things that you want, one thing that would happen quite often is just, you get to talk to someone and you get to show them your prototype and it just doesn't work. Um, maybe you weren't expecting there to be no internet. Like one, one time, um, we were, we were actually going to convenience stores and showing shop owners, um, like a tablet, like a prototype, but we didn't account for the fact that there was no internet and we're in a different country. So like we didn't have any data either. Um, so basically nothing worked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so what we did instead you know, we had our laptops with us. So we had to kind of quickly pull up some sketch files and just kind of walk through screens that way. So it was kind of a bummer because we went to go show this thing that we spent a lot of time on and just didn't, didn't happen for us. Um, so there's a couple of things just in that experience. And sometimes too, actually a lot of times you, maybe you're rushing through the prototype and you don't necessarily link everything up, either link them up at all or link them up correctly um, so a button kind of leads to a different place that you didn't expect. Um, so just kind of for the first one, you know, for us, it was, it would have been really helpful to have kind of printouts of our screen if we we're going to be in an area where we weren't sure if we had like connectivity. Um, another thing too, which would have been helpful is if we hosted all of our files locally, like we were showing HTML prototypes. Um, so we were pulling in some libraries like jQuery you know, from a CDN. Mm-hmm. So if we actually had those files on our computer, everything would have worked just fine. Um, so just kind of making sure, you know, just going offline, t- like turning off your Wi-Fi, making sure whatever you're going to show is it works without Wi-Fi, you know? Um, and also too, another thing, um, hmm, oh no. <laughs> I was on a roll and I forgot the other thing. But I have a question while you think about that thing and then yeah. you can cut me off if you think of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always remember the thing as soon as the other person starts talking. So it's going to work. Trust me. Um, okay. So, right. Like things don't go according to plan. This happens when human beings interact with human beings and when technology is involved, mm-hmm. you know, even more so what's the more important skill, right? Is it just be prepared, like be the boy scout, the girl scout and anticipate every you know possible failure and be ready for it? Or like the sort of improv skills of when the thing you didn't foresee happens, deal with it. Yeah, I think it's it's really just making sure you're always focusing on the person you're interviewing and being really receptive to them and listening to them. Because a lot of these things, like another example was people, you know, getting stuck on fake data. Um, mm-hmm. Really, instead of, you know, the first, the first instinct is just kind of, you know, assure them that it's okay. Like it's, that's, we're not testing the data, but if they really keep getting stuck on something to kind of respond to that, and maybe they're getting stuck on something because it's just not the right kind of content at all. You know, maybe you have a fake event name in there or something. Maybe there shouldn't be an event there at all. You know what I mean? Like, so really just kind of, I think, you know, I think you're right. Like just kind of responding to being adaptable in a situation and being, 
and it takes a little while to get there because it can be really nerve wracking at first. The first few ones I ever did, I was so, I was more nervous than the person who was in the room with me because <laughs> you don't really know what to expect, but you have to just kind of remind yourself that they're just people. Like we're all people here. Like they're not, what's the worst that could happen, you know? Um, so Yeah. Yeah. And just to, just to piggyback off that a little mm -hmm. for me, when the prototype breaks, that's always the one I like take the hardest or most personal. Cause it feels like the most, <laughs> yeah. like, this is my fault. Like I did this. Whereas, you know, if the person's not being as, as expressive as I would like, or they're getting confused, you know, I don't, I don't own that so personally. And I'm like a little bit more, um, better at the improv side of, of trying to get them out of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas when it's my fault, it's, you know, I own that one harder. So I think the prototype one is a good one for people to be aware of. And just like, you know, it happens to everyone and, and don't, kind of bear the burden instead just try to troubleshoot the other piece that I think is tough on the prototype one is like the more complex the prototype when yeah. it breaks it's like harder to get it back so God, yeah and the simple ones break you're like oh give me two seconds I'll just like figure it out um and so it's kind of like a double-edged sword of like when it breaks it tends to like really break so that's one where it's definitely a skill to get you know comfortable with that and, and figure it out mm-hmm and, and sometimes if it's so unsalvageable, like what you're saying, I mean, the fact too, that if it was really that complicated, that's another smell too. Like, what are you, what are you trying to test? You know, should you be showing someone that's something that's so complicated? Like, you know, are your tests focused enough? Should you really be focusing on one workflow or, you know, just, just to kind of think about that too, because you also don't want to, you know, there, there's been a couple of times in the past where, um, you know, let's say like a, a client was really keen on just keep, let's just keep adding stuff to the interview. And then I always push back after they add another thing, like maybe I'm like, okay, let's just test one flow for now. Like we have plenty of people in the world we can talk to. Like let's not overburden one person just to try and get some workflows in. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that too is, is important to kind of focus on, Focus on what really kind of ch chat before you talk to someone. Like, what are we trying to achieve here? What, what, what do we want to learn? What are the assumptions that we have going in that we want to validate through, through user testing? Yeah, absolutely. Anything you can do to tip the scales in your favor is like always a good idea, right? So if like you can just mm -hmm. simplify or focus on a smaller set of problems for now, like you're just making your life easier and, and improving the odds of success. So I think that's great advice. A guy I used to work with, a uh, UX researcher at Vistaprint, had this mm -hmm. phrase he'd always say, he'd always say, test the test. Like, let's just sit down, me and you, and just run through it. And just like, let's yeah. sit ourselves and make sure it works. And there's something about that phrase that always sticks in my head of, um, it's so simple, but it's just like, you know, let's just test it quickly ourselves. And then we'll flush a couple of things out. You almost always find something. And then, you know, it goes smoother from there. Yeah. That's the thing. You always find something. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's, always something. Yeah. it's always something. Yeah. It always helps to just kind of click through it yourself. And even that too, like, and sometimes, you know, we do a lot of um, design sprints here. So there's an expectation that we build a prototype in one day. So there's a lot of just kind of getting something done and out there. So sometimes we don't, we don't make the time sometimes to, to actually go through it ourselves. So we've gotten in the habit now of just taking some time at the end of the day, just take out time and look through it and actually go through it and pretend that you're the user and you just find little things, you know, it's really helpful. What are, um, what are some of the other user interviews mishaps that you've had? Um, so yes, we mentioned the fake data part. Um, that sometimes can really slow down an interview. If, if someone is new to this whole process, um, actually, actually wrote a blog post too, that was for the user. Um, I wanted to write something that we can maybe give out to someone if we were going to interview them to kind of help give them some tips on what you expect. 
Um, just in terms of like, we're going to ask you to think out loud and we're going to show you some stuff that's probably not fully baked and stuff might not, stuff's not going to be real, <laughs> like things like that. Um, it's just, it's easy because people want to be helpful. So they, it is helpful for them to point out like this, this thing doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, these numbers would never happen. Um, but sometimes it really just take a minute to just kind of have to explain to them that, okay, absolutely. Like we are aware of this and, you know, let's just kind of, let's ignore it for now. Um, unless it's really just completely like we're completely off by the content. Um, but that too, like that was something I would kick myself as well because I would show something and just be like, oh man, like I really shouldn't have put that in there. Like those, those fake names or whatever, or, you know, I was showing like a subscription. I was showing something for two customer service rep and I had fake names of like subscriptions and the way I named it though had meaning to them. So they were just really stuck on, well, that, that like this, this would never happen. Um, so that's kind of a thing too. just kind of have to really, you know, either spend some time and get the content right. Um, one thing too, I always, I never use lorem ipsum. Um, it's just, it's just not real. Like it's so not real. Um, you know, you don't really get a sense of character count with that. Like you're just kind of throwing in a paragraph and seeing, you know, just as what says what text looks like, but any kind of context you can, you can give like, you know, it's not in Latin <laughs> would be helpful <laughs> in a prototype. Um, just to also get like a little bit of user feedback on whether you're going the right direction. Um, but that's just one thing. And I find that in an intro, like having an intro where you are explaining, you know, the nature of what a prototype is, is really helpful too, because we take for granted sometimes that people know, knows like that they know what that means, you know, in terms of like tech and apps and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, for sure. I think there's a way to spin that one too. When it's like mm -hmm. fake data that somebody points out is almost like compliment them of being like, wow, you're like, you're really good yeah. at this. You're so, you're so observant. Like this is exactly what we want. Yes. Um, I've noted that issue. Like, let's keep moving. Like you're probably going to find a bunch more stuff. So we're excited to hear what else you like notice or, or find, you know what I mean? Like you can almost like build some rapport and like pump them up a little bit by like telling them that, you know, uh, <laughs> they fixated on the wrong thing, but you can kind of paint it as a good thing of their, you know, observation skills. And, and that's what we're looking for and just try yes. to like positively direct them somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's such a great point. Seriously. Any opportunity you can have to boost their confidence in that, that's just such a great, yeah, that's a great point for sure. The one, uh, the one that was on your list from the, from the talk that I thought about a lot was when the facilitator is leading the witness or maybe mm -hmm. doing something that you disagree with as the note taker or mm -hmm. you know, observer. Mm -hmm. And that one is tough for me. Cause like, um, when I'm the note taker, I usually somehow want to get involved, but mm -hmm. it's, I know it's going to be disruptive. And so, um, I, I remember you having a couple tips of like how to, you know, more subtly, um, give some feedback to the facilitator when needed. Right. And, and just to take a step back, the reason why this is important is, you know, when you're doing an interview with two, you know, with an interview with a, with a user, they're really on your side. There should be the person talking to the user, like doing the interview and another person taking notes. So we want to, again, to keep it, keep the user focused on one person. So we're having a conversation and there's someone in the background who's like taking, taking notes. Right. And then when that person, when that person is talking to the, to your user and they're actually saying they're doing some bad habits, right? Like what you mentioned, like the, like the leading questions um, that's happened to me before. And it was, Oh man. I mean, really leading, you know, like, Oh, wouldn't this, wouldn't it be useful if this did this or 
wouldn't it be great? Or would you even like it if it had this in here? You know, like stuff like questions like that, that don't really give you any answer really. Um, so, you know, I had to kind of take a minute because um, I plus I was remote. I was a remote note taker. So I couldn't really do anything. I was completely powerless. <laughs> like slacking in the background, like I'm doing yeah. my CH right now. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, if you have if you have a rapport with someone and you feel comfortable, if like during, you know, there is also um, this thing you can do as a note taker is you can have a post, have some post-its with you and start taking some notes. Um, You know, even if you have a question that you want to ask, you can, before you go into the interview, just set up the, set it up where you're like, as note taker, uh, I know that you're going to talk to the, talk to the user, but if I have any questions that I want to ask, I'm just going to write you them on a post-it and you can read them and decide if you want to ask kind of a thing. Um, that's helped. That's worked out really well. And if someone's kind of taking a turn for the worse, um, feel free to write a note, just kind of just a gentle reminder of, you know, this, the, of like, yes, or, you know, like you're saying yes or no, or like leading, just kind of write like, like leading, like leading the way, like leading, you know, like something like little hints. That's more of if you have that rapport beforehand and like they can read a thing that says, you know, leading and like know what you're talking about. Um, but that's, it's taking notes during, during the interview as well is really helpful. Like to get grabbing examples of when they are writing down the questions that they're asking. Cause they probably don't even know they're doing it. You know, it's just kind of, they're just in the, in the moment talking to someone. So if you can kind of record what they're saying, just writing them down afterwards, debrief, just kind of level set a little bit and be like, Hey, you know, that was a, obviously it was a really great job. Like it's no easy task. Um, you know, here, according to our script, like we have more of these kinds of questions, these questions in our script are more, you know, um, open-ended and you're, you're, you ask this and ask this and ask this through very leading. Like maybe we can kind of just be mindful of that. It's all just a coaching opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. The le- the leading question stuff for me is like, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit in the sense of like a very dichotomous person. Mm-hmm. That I absolutely agree that like, you got to avoid them if you can. It's definitely a skill to know how to do it. And it's something that, you know, is worth practicing and, and worth putting a lot of attention on. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side to me is that I worry sometimes that it, it can be something that intimidates people from doing an interview because they don't want to be leading and they don't know how when the reality is like, even if you do lead someone, you probably won't do it all the time first off. And then when mm-hmm. you do do it, there's a note taker who can, you know, note down the time of that question and maybe disregard the insights that come after because they were led or, Oh yeah. Good point. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there's opportunity cost. Like maybe you missed a chance to learn something with that person because you kind of flubbed it, but mm-hmm. it's like the, the, the risk that people will paint, right. Is you lead the person and you make a conclusion that you shouldn't have based on that leading question. And then you go build all this stuff. And that is certainly a real risk, but like there are layers, like the, the note taker might flag, like that was leading. Let's not use that information. Or if, yeah, you, have a, if you have a recording, yeah. like other people on the team might notice it and point it out. So like, I don't, I'm not that worried about like some, a leading insight going all the way to like production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can sometimes like scare people away from doing the interviews because they don't know how to, you know, they don't have that skill in their toolbox. And I think it's one of those things that like, there's just a balance there. Like you absolutely should practice it. You should definitely try to avoid it. It's really important but the odds that you're going to do it so like profoundly and so frequently that it like skews the results, I think are just a little overblown. And I think there's like strategies you can do to kind of, you know, avoid those traps. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the more you do it, the better you are at it, you know, and just get into the mindset, just get in the habit of starting with who, what, where, when, why, if anything, you know, and as note taker, there's no harm in just throwing in a quick why. Um, if someone says, wouldn't it be great if X and the person answers, yeah, <laughs> then you can just be like, um, why? And then maybe they can elaborate a little bit, you know, that's a great yeah. tip. It's like, put a why on top of it, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I've, I've so many times I've said, and I'll, I realize I'm asking the leading question as I'm asking it. Right. Yes. But yes. You, and you, you acknowledge it. Cause I'm usually interviewing user researchers. Right. So it's like, they, they get what's going on. Right. So but then you just throw a Y on top of it and it really, um, it sort of saves, saves the situation. Um, Absolutely. So if like leading questions are kind of in this middle ground of like, not the best thing, but not necessarily going to destroy the interview. Do you have any kind of top, like always endeavors for, you know, avoiding a user interview disaster for saving one that isn't going well, any kind of, um, top things newbies should know, or that even, you know, kind of experts don't get right. Yeah. Um, I think one thing you'll have to be comfortable with, first of all, is silence. I mean, lots of awkward silence. I'm sorry. I said, let's take a moment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Let's just reflect on that. Um, yeah. That having, being comfortable with silence, not doing the thing where you ask a question and give an example right after, you know, like, like how do you share research? Is it through email? Do you text it? Like, don't do that because you're just giving them examples that they're probably going to spit right back at you. Hand up. Yeah. I say hand up. I do that one more than I should. I'm guilty. (laughs) It's just, and it's fine. We all, we all do it. But that's the thing though. Like we do it in conversation, right? But like, if you're trying to be an objective, you're trying to interview someone and get them to just fill your, you know, it's the skeleton you have of questions and like, fill them fill them themselves you're gonna have to just kind of let them kind of make up the answers you know um but you know with that um also too just checking your ego at the door is is really huge like don't be afraid to to ask stupid questions um maybe you know the answer you know to something like maybe they say blah 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 yeah and then i checked what the weather was like and i went to work like don't assume that they use the weather app on their phone they might have a crazy answer like how they like how they check the weather you know um like oh like how like how did you know it was going to rain today like that's a totally you might feel like a like kind of stupid for asking that but it's not a stupid question you know and sometimes you'd be surprised when you ask a stupid question that you think is stupid the answers you get are just so enlightening um so yeah. That's a good tip too. I think where it's like not about you. Right? Oh yeah. It's like, um, you can look stupid, you know, the job is not to sort of impress the person being interviewed. You're trying to learn stuff. And I think a little humility, you know, on the part of the moderator can go a long way to making that person feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to recognizing sort of the point of the whole thing. A word that I think plays into that and contributes a little bit is like validation that gets used a lot in design or product, right? Of let's go validate these ideas. And there's like this kind of like assumption in there of like, we're right. We just need somebody to tell tell us we're right. When the goal really is to have a conversation and to learn something. And hopefully what you learn does support your thinking and idea. But, um, you know, like it's not a bad word, but I think it, it has implications that I think do kind of subtly contribute to that of all right, we know this weather thing, so let's just go confirm it. And that's like, you're kind of like getting a step ahead of yourselves in a way that Mm. I think can be detrimental. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
Yeah. And what you're saying too, like have a conversation. That's, that's, that's huge too. Like just kind of go with the flow, ask them follow-up questions. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask a stray random question about something that they just, that they, that, that they just said, you know, um, you know, and having a script, um, is great for sure, but just kind of knowing that you're not going to probably ask all those questions. So if there are, and you won't, and you won't because you'll be just having a conversation and kind of seeing where it goes. Um, you know, I think it's helpful to note what are the questions you definitely, definitely, definitely want to answer, like things you definitely want to ask them. And then what are the rest of the stuff that if you maybe have an extra, some extra time, you can kind of just fall back on. Um, but having a looser script is really good. Um, I, you know, from starting out for me, starting out, I wrote questions for sure. Um, but as I've done more and more and more, um, I get way looser. I more have topics too. Sometimes like I used to go in interviews with not even any questions at all, but just have topics that I wanted to cover. Um, and then just kind of have them lead it really. I mean, you're supposed to really do maybe like 2% (laughs) of the talking. Um, so I really do like kind of going in too with like a very loose guide because it kind of helps me focus on them more than on what this next thing I'm going to ask in my next line of questioning. I'm a big believer in like the loose script as well. And I think even if you are going to have a script of questions and you're going to try to stick to it, like one of the most important things with that approach even is that like, you're not going to hit them in order. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to say something in question two that is like a natural segue to question six and like, just go with it. And you can yeah. question three when you get there. If you, if you do want to go through all your questions, like that's fine, but at least be a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, on your feet and, and move around as needed. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's a really good point. And just being responsive and what we're saying before, being adaptive to the situation, you know, um, jumping on those a chance to kind of if you stray a little bit, it's okay, but you might make a whole new a whole new learning that you didn't even think would happen by just kind of asking a one-off question. Um, and with that too, you know, making sure you're being an active listener. Um, you you hear them. They're saying a thing and you nod and you say, yes, that's a really, that's interesting. Like, tell me more about that. Like th- your job is to make this person who you just met like three minutes ago, <laughs> feel so comfortable that they're telling you how, how they feel. You know, they're telling you stories. They're telling you why they like a thing, why they don't like a thing without any fear of judgment. Like that's, it's, and you do that by just making them feel comfortable, you know? kind of check where you're sitting, you know, sit next to them. If you're going to show them a thing. Um, cool. Should we, uh, should we just wrap up? I don't know if there's any closing words or one final piece of sage advice you want to throw out or. Um, I guess when all else fails, just focus on the user, just focus on the person in front of you, you know, be respectful, you know, show that, show that you're listening. Um, if you just focus on them, like you can't go wrong really. Um, so just relax and you're just talking to someone that's going to be okay. Everything will be okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep in touch. You know? For sure. Cool. We'll do that. On the, the e-channels. Oh uh, yes. Yeah, the electronic e-touch. channels. Yeah. Stay in e-touch. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will. <laughs> All right. See All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences, brought to you by User Interviews. Theme music by Fragile Gang. Editing and sound production by Carrie Boyd.